Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast, a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode 14. I really hope you checked out last week's episode with David A.R. White. He talked about his new movie, God's Not Dead, We the People. And I really hope you go support this movie, either while it's in theaters or go to godsnotdead.com and watch it that way. Speaking of support, I would highly encourage you to go to my Patreon page in the show notes and see if there's a level tier of support that you would like to come alongside me in. I provide this content free of charge because it's what I enjoy doing and feel called to do, but there are monthly costs associated with doing this that would be awesome if they were covered. Not only that, but there's ways that I can grow this podcast too. If I get more support, I can upgrade my equipment, I can get a producer, I can get a studio, I can get an audio engineer, someone that can actually edit these podcasts, which is my least favorite thing to do. And so please pray about that. Well, I'm excited for my guest today, Jared Lopes. He has an awesome ministry of Dad Tired and not only great advice for dads, but also for moms and married couples. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Please share it with a friend. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Well, welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. My guest this week is Jared Lopes. Jared is a Christian pastor and the founder of DadTired.com, a nonprofit ministry focusing on equipping men and to lead their family well. He hosts the weekly Dad Tired Podcast and is the author of Dad Tired and Loving It and Stop Behaving. He and his wife, Layla, live in Portland, Oregon with their three children. Jared, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. And since that uh, since that biography was written, I've had another baby. So I actually have four kids now. Oh, right. Is, uh, yeah, I'm trying to live up to the dad tired name. <laughs> what are their ages and, and, and genders? Uh, 10 all the way down to three months and um, and all girls. But my oldest is a boy. Awesome. I, I don't know if that's the best way to say that, but <laughs> three hey. girls and a boy. <laughs> well, congrats on the Thanks, new addition. And yeah, How's uh, Portland? We're talking in the summer. How's Portland right now? Uh, you know what's crazy, man? Well, Portland is in the news for a lot of reasons these yeah. days. Um, I live outside the city, so it's not really affected. I'm not really too badly affected by all that craziness. But uh, today is 113 degrees, which is a, they've never what? measured uh, the heat that high since they've been taking measurements of <laughs> in the city. So record-breaking wow. heat today for us. I didn't know it got that hot over there. It, it sounds like Arizona. It doesn't. That's yeah, where I am. It, yeah, it does not get this hot. Um, we we put up with a lot of cool and damp winters for a long time, so that we can have seventy five degree summer. So this is nuts for us. Yeah, we were we had the hundreds and fifteen, seventeens a couple of weeks ago, and now we're like ninety five, ninety eight. It's nice, so we'll take it. I flew into I flew into Arizona for uh, for a layover last week, and it was one hundred and sixteen degrees. Yeah. And the pilot said we can't take off because it's too hot, which I've never heard of in my life. But man, yeah, you yeah. hear that about being cold but not being too yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, it was a heat. I was like a weight distribution that yeah. but no yeah. i don't like flying in general but hearing that would make me freak out even more like <laughs> what are the tires gonna pop or yeah, what's going yeah on? i know i know cool man so tell us a little more about yourself anything else you want to add and kind of the ministry you're in yeah I, well i've been a pastor for since uh, i was 18 actually i got hired in full-time ministry and then uh did that for uh over a decade in the church world and um 
but we can, I, our, my story in ministry is meant much of how dad's hired to evolve. So we can share more about that in a minute, but uh, yeah, like you said, I'm married, been married to my wife coming up on 12 years, four kids live here in Portland and trying to figure out what it looks like to love Jesus the best I can. I run a ministry called dad tired, which helps young dads feel like they're equipped to lead their families well. So that's what yeah. I spend my time doing. That's great. I've been podcasting now, I think for five years I saw, and uh, that's going really well. I saw some big names on there and some mutual names that we've interviewed like John yeah. Eldridge and Morgan oh, yeah. Snyder, Michael Jr. Yep. Cool. Yeah. 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 It's been fun. Podcasting has been a uh, um, totally new, I stumbled into it, but it's been, it's been a blast. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like me. It's like, I can never podcast. And it's like, well, here I am. Yeah. And the best part is just like, Hey, I want to talk to this person and you can actually make that happen, you know, for I the know. most part. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. 2021, you know, you can basically knock on anybody's door and potentially have an answer. Yeah. yeah and people are so gracious out there, you know, like people that don't know me from Adam and come on the show and we're able to talk about God and, you know, it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, did you grow up in a Christian household or when did you uh, first get saved? Uh, my my mom and dad separated when I was three and uh, they were actually weren't married. They had me out of wedlock, but my dad left when I was three and uh, whole story there. I can share as much as you think would be helpful to our, your listeners, but um, raised by my mom. I think my mom started to take me to church when I was seven, really out of desperation. Like I just need some help and I want my kids to go in the right direction. So she took me to church and um, God captured my heart at a young age. I was definitely intrigued by what it, by the things of God, by um, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. All of that was really intriguing to me from a really young age. And then, uh, you know, I actually, I actually felt like I wanted to be in ministry from the time I was seven. I wrote that. I, I still have little journals that I was writing in um, when I was seven years old. And then it, like everyone else, I, I, grew up and you get faced with the reality of following Jesus is going to mean dying to myself and dying <laughs> is not fun. And yeah. so I had to make many decisions over my life. Um, do I still want to do this? Am I still in? I always think about when Jesus turned to Peter and said, do you want to leave too? Mm. Um, I felt like I've had a lot of those moments where Jesus said, are, are you still in? Do you, do you want to do this or not? And um, most of the time I'm saying, yes, I still want, if you're Jesus, if you're really God, if you're, if you're the savior, I'm, I'm in. And I have, I've had times where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this and I'm yeah. falling back. So that's been my journey of faith. That's really good. And like, like this, like Peter said too, you know, where else would we go? Like right. you have the answer to right. what the world is seeking. And so even though it gets hard sometimes and, and many times it will get hard and, and we're not promised an easy life, but we're promised a life of, of freedom from the pain of not having a hope of eternity, from right. not having a comforter, from not having someone who's with us through right. every step of the way. Because if it was just a, you know, freedom from circumstance, then everyone would be a Christian for the wrong reasons. And, and, sure. and so really God's after our heart and uh, relationship. And so that's really cool. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So on this podcast, we talk about discernment a lot and making godly decisions. And, uh, you know, this might go into some of your story on how you started your ministry or wherever you want to take it. But just if you could share a time when you had godly discernment or maybe you didn't and turned into it, um, but just kind of the process of hearing from God and how God kind of took you uh, along the journey that you're on. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I could share successes, but I seem to be a guy that like Peter learns more from failures than, than successes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, so I, I talked about how I was in ministry, um, for over a decade. I helped, I was in a, I was in a really healthy, wonderful church. That church said, Hey, Jared, I, we think that, um, God could be calling you to lead here one day. So we want to help equip you to be the leader here. 
and uh, which was which was such an honor. But I also um, I felt called to plant churches. I, I felt really like kind of deeply in my heart that I wanted to go plant churches. And mm-hmm. so I had a friend say he was already planting churches, and he said, "Hey, Jared, if you end up leaving this church and you want to go plant churches, let me know. I'd love to partner with you." And so we partnered together, and we got into that for about a month. And I realized, oh man, this is not going to work out. We actually had some really fundamental differences that I did not explore before I made the decision to go plant churches with this person. And, uh, and then there was actually even some moral stuff that I was like, I just didn't feel good. My wife didn't feel good about it. Mm. So, um, long story short, that ended up terrible. That, that process was, came to a terrible ending, really, really hurtful. And I actually, found myself hurt by the church, which I had been in ministry over 10 years. And I'm like, if you're hurt by the church, it's probably you. Well, then I'm hurt by the church. I found myself hurt by the church. I'm like, man, this is, this is, I've been wounded. And so I was in my twenties at that time. And I, my mid twenties, and I, I pulled away from my wife. I pulled away from my kids. I was a terrible husband. I was a terrible father. I was incredibly selfish. I was committed. I'm never going to do ministry again. Mm. I'm never going to probably go to church again. And if I'm totally honest, I actually thought we were going to end in a divorce, which was the track record of every man in my family. I can't think of one man that stuck around. I was raised by a village of women. And so, uh, and, and I mean that I had three sisters, my mom, like no men around. And, uh, and so you talk about discernment. I had none, man. I had like none and I wasn't seeking the Lord. I wasn't seeking wise counsel. I wasn't seeking the wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I was just pulling away in my own selfishness and my own selfish desires. And so my wife and I, like I said, I thought we were in the middle of what was going to be a divorce. And um, we're in this middle of this terrible season. And one day we're in our bedroom and we're in the middle of a fight. And my wife says something to me and I can tell, oh man, we're, this is going to turn into another argument. This is going to turn into something big. So I purposely say something hurtful back to her in my immaturity. I, 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 I try to jab, you know, and mm-hmm. say something that will sting. And I do. And she gets tears in her eyes. And I think to myself again, in my immaturity, oh, I'm winning. I'm winning mm-hmm. this fight, <laughs> um, which is a real dumb thought for a husband to have, but I had it. And, uh, and my wife looked at me and she said, Jared, um, I've been setting my alarm to go off at two in the morning every morning. And I go into the living room and I get on my face and I've been praying, begging God to capture your heart again. Wow. And I was like, oh man, I would say I would have rather she cussed me out, you know, like I was ready to fight that moment. And, and what do you say to that? What do you say when your wife says she's been waking up in the middle of the night to pray for you? I actually found out that she had some of our friends waking up with her in the middle of the night, you know, they were all setting their alarms mm. and waking up and praying for my heart <laughs> to wow. be captured by Jesus. I learned that later. Th- those are still some very close friends of ours. Um, and so I just, you know, that I couldn't fight. I couldn't stomp the, you know, slam the door. And the Holy Spirit really used that moment to start to answer my prayer and to ch- or my, my wife's prayer and to start to chip away at my hard heart. And, uh, and, and then so now, so I would say bad discernment was me just completely isolating myself on purpose. I'm not going to listen to any wise counsel. I'm not going to listen to my wife. I'm not going to listen to people from the church. I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm going to go do my own thing, um, which is one of the greatest tactics of the enemy to isolate, right? And so I isolated myself. And then um, in that moment, as the Holy Spirit started to chip away in my heart, I realized, um, you know what? I, I think I actually, one of the first thoughts I had was, I think I actually need wise counsel. I think mm-hmm. I need somebody to speak into my life that has a perspective that I don't have because I've got blind spots. Yeah. And so I swallowed my pride. I signed up for Christian counseling. 
uh, a godly man that really walked me through that deep, dark season in my life and then ended up walking us in our marriage and really redeeming me and um, or I guess starting the process of new redemption in that area. And um, so, yeah, that that's the majority of actually how Dad Tired started. I started to write about my journey of feeling broken and and tons of shame and a bunch of guys related to that. And now God tricked me back into ministry. Here I am. <laughs> I tricked you back. I love that. <laughs> Just the way God does, you know, he's like, uh, you think you're done with me, but I have plans mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. your first, I think your first couple of blog posts did like amazing, didn't they? Like just being open and like other dads could relate to like the, the journey you were on. Yeah. I wasn't a blogger, man. I was just like, I wrote basically a blog to my Facebook friends and family, yeah. uh, like a good millennial, you know, <laughs> uh, millennial life crisis. And yeah. uh, so I, I wrote this blog and said, I feel like I'm a terrible husband, terrible dad. And that went viral. What happened was a bunch of mommy blogs picked it up and, oh. and they started sharing it. And then all these guys were reaching out to me saying, dude, I re- I relate, man. I feel the same way. I'm not the man I thought I was going to be. Yeah. And which I think a lot of guys can feel that. And that's how dad's hired started. It was totally by accident. I wasn't trying to start anything. Yeah. Uh, but or like my, my wife made me read, made me read your blog and now I got, a, <laughs> exactly. now I got conviction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. And so uh, yeah, and then you've you've been on this journey now of, of, of quite a few years of of podcasting and books and and helping other men and 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 couples honestly uh, through through the ministry and and for you personally, I'm sure every day has been perfect, right? Since since that first day, <laughs> but that's uh, kind of the yeah, that's uh, kind of the point of, of of this season is is what we do every day to keep our eyes on Jesus because we know that if we just look to the world, if we look to another option, if we look even temporarily keeping our focus off of Jesus, we're going to get distracted. Even if it's like, you know, uh, like on a ship on the ocean, a little degree at a time before you know it, you're on a whole different trajectory. So what what have you found practically for you, your marriage, your your relationship with Jesus to keep your eyes focused on God every day? Yeah. So one of the most practical things that has helped me, um, I had, I had a friend tell me his process of what he does in the mornings. And, uh, and so I've implemented a, a morning routine which for a, for a guy who has kids, and I, I would recommend this to anyone, if you're married, if you have kids, if you feel like you're overwhelmed, what I found was happening in my life was I was waking up reacting to everything. So mm. that practically that meant my kids were like the first ones to wake up. Mm-hmm. So I have a two-year-old, she'll, she'll just start yelling from her crib, daddy, daddy, <laughs> I'm ready to get up, you know? Yeah. And so that's how I start my day. And so from, so from the start, I'm reacting. I'm, I'm responding to her and then, and then everything from there is basically feels like a, a series of reactions. And so I had a, a friend and mentor tell me, you know, start your day morning routine, get up before the family, spend time with the Lord, um, have a game plan. So I, I have a whole morning routine now it involves like stretching and praying and reading mm. some scripture. Uh, and all of that is in trying to have a, uh, get, be proactive. So I'm not responding to my world and letting the world dictate how I'm <laughs> going to live my life, yeah. but I, but I'm spending time with the Lord first. I, I always just think of the, the Psalm one, right? It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners take or sit. I'm reading. I don't have this memorized <laughs> or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Mm, so that's what good. the Psalm is saying, meditating on the Lord and the word of the Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season. And I always think for the dad or for the man who feels really tired or who feels like a dead tree, you're probably not planted near the streams of living water. And so don't over-spiritualize it. Just come back to this living water and watch how things start to flourish 
and grow and how the fruit starts to come about. And so I just, I, I feel that every, every man knows it. Like if you, if you just spend your time reacting, you spend your day reacting, you feel like a dead tree. Right. If you get ahead of the day, you spend time with the Lord, you spend time in prayer, uh, spend time in the word. You feel like a tree that is planted near living water. So that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, I love that. And I was resistant to that as well, as far as having a routine in the morning, which I knew I needed. But at the same time, at the time I worked where I had to get up at five o'clock and I'm like, this is bar, this is the earliest I can get up. Yeah. I promise you. And then uh and then at night, what would happen is I would, you know, read the Bible app in my bed as I'm tired for five minutes and then fall asleep. And I'm like, ah oh, man, I'm not giving God my best. I'm I'm burned out through the whole day. And so when I personally changed my routine to start journaling in the morning, waking up even earlier so I could read and 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 get another book, you know, in in addition to my devotion time, um, that was a life change for me just in my relationship with God. And it's one of those things where you have to be convicted about it. You have to identify the problem, you know, just like you, you did in your marriage and, and, and in your relationship and your time, you identified the problem. Now, my routine and your routine may not be the, the routine for everybody, but it's something we incorporated personally. And that's what I would encourage everyone is what is something that works for you personally, that is not just the easiest route, because that's not always the best, but the, the route that gets you closer to Jesus, even if it comes at the sacrifice of, you know, your phone or sleep or something else, you know, that is, is, and I've been there too. You wake up and the first thing you do is you check your phone. And then 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, I got to get off to work now. And it's like, man, that's not, that's not giving God my best. It's not doing the best thing for me and my, my mental, my spiritual health. Yeah, I would say, and that's really good. I would, I, for most guys, we have a family leadership program where, and and one of the things that we do when we're training guys there is we, we implement a morning routine on day one. So it's one of the first things that guys start to implement, but I would say, go to bed, just try to go to bed 30 minutes earlier. Um, and then even if you just wake up 10 to 15 minutes earlier before everyone else, even just 10 to 15 minutes, start there. I promise you, you're going to feel different. What I do is I actually do uh, like a child's pose. So I'm like, like a bowing, you know, and, and I do that for a few reasons. One, because it helps my back. I'm getting old, <laughs> stretch my back out in the morning, yeah. um, but it also just sets my posture. Like I purposely am putting my posture in such a way that I'm, I'm bowing myself before the Lord. God, this oh, is good. You've woke me up today. Like whatever yeah. your will is today, I'm, I'm surrendering myself to you. And man, just 10 to 15 minutes of that, like your back's going to feel better, but also your soul's <laughs> going to feel better. Yeah. I'm just like, man, Lord, whatever you want to do today, I'm yours. And you, I promise you, your perspective is going to be so different the way you interact with your kids, your wife, the people around you, just 10 yeah. to 15 minutes. Yeah. I love that. Cause you know, excuses come where like, well, I can't pray for an hour a day. It's like, well, how about five minutes to start? Yeah. You know, how about yeah, 10 yeah. minutes? How about at work when you're at lunch? Like, how about just these little things that can grow over time and you can start to see the benefit of it instead of saying, well, I can't do this. Like start with the, what you can do. That's what, which is what you're saying. And it's a gift for you, for the listener listening. It's a, it's yeah. not God like, oh, you better do this or you're not a good <laughs> Christian. It's a gift for you. Um, it, it's same with Sabbath, you know, any time of rest, it's a gift for you. It's not a commandment to oppress you. It's yeah. to free you, you know, so this podcast is part of the edify podcast network. Edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment, cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the edify app for free from the app store or Google play, or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. That's a good transition to your book, uh, Stop Behaving, where I, I love your focus, which is on 
uh, how behavior management does not work, but without a hard change by Jesus, there's things that we can incorporate like we're talking about, but the focus has to be Jesus. So it's easy to see Christianity from the outside as just a to-do list uh, of rules without true relationship with Jesus. So talk a little more about, about your book and kind of the heart behind it. Yeah, that that book that you're talking about is called Stop Behaving. That's a devotional. That's a that, that I wrote that kind of for what we we're just talking about. Spend 10, 15 minutes with the Lord in the morning. It's yeah. really it's easy to go through. Um, but the the premise is essentially if if you're going after behavior change for the sake of behavior change, you're going to end up exhausted. Yeah. Um, and that's actually how I grew up in the church world. A lot of behavior check in. So I'd, I'd have guys. This started in probably junior high, high school. Guys would say older guys, Hey, you want to meet for accountability? And you're just like, oh, that sounds terrible. But I guess, you know, I'm supposed to say yes because I'm supposed to say yes. So you would meet and it usually means like you meet at a coffee shop or breakfast for and for a, there's no time like this could be for the rest of your life. There was never an ending to it. You know, yeah. so you, you commit for life and then you show up in the morning or whatever in the afternoon, you have a cup of coffee. And usually it was I sit down and somebody's asking me, hey, how are you doing with X, Y, Z? Did you look at anything online you shouldn't have looked at? Did you cuss? Did you lose your temper? Right. It's all these behavior <laughs> checklists. And what happened was I either learned how to behave well, um, or I learned how to lie. Mm. And those were kind of my options, you know, wow. but none of it was really. And I remember this, even as an adult, I had a, I had a pastor friend who was, uh, you know, meeting me for accountability. I was even a pastor. I was a young pastor and they were literally just checking in like, Hey, did you do this, this, and this? It's like, mm. I don't feel any closer to Jesus, but I definitely feel a lot of shame, you know, yeah. for my behavior. And so what I've been convinced of is behavior modification is good. Like Jesus should be changing our hearts so that we would live holy and righteous lives. That's a good thing. Right. Um, we should be turning away from our sinful ways and, and living righteously. But that happens when we've had a heart that's been changed by the good news of the gospel. Mm. Um, yes. And, and when, when, we've been, when we understand the gospel and the grace that Jesus has given us and we start to pursue Jesus in deeper ways, our behavior will naturally change and it changes at a way deeper level um, than behavior modification. Behavior modification for the sake of behavior modification is just, it's, it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. Yeah. That's so good because uh, a lot of times we look at, I'm not good enough to do these things because I failed. And that failure keeps me in my mind further away from God. And so this cycle starts where I call it the sin cycle in my book, where it's like, you know, you sin, you feel further away from God. And so you just go back to that sin instead of turning to God when we do fail and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And really seeing sin, this is what was revelation for me, is that seeing sin as separation from God, which is the definition of sin, seeing that I can't have the relationship I desire if I'm stuck in this sin and then keeping the focus on Jesus so that, and like you're saying, that transformation comes where you don't even want to sin anymore, not because you're following all the right rules and you might still have things in place that help with that. But instead of just like, okay, I have to do these 10 things today, or I'm not going to be good enough. No, God accepts you and wants you, you know, he loves you enough not to keep you where you are. And so he's going to constantly draw you, constantly ask you to change things, constantly bring you closer to him because he desires relationship. That's good. That's really good. That's a great perspective. I think of it too, like my relationship with my wife, when, when we are in sync and we're, we're feeling a sense of intimacy, I'm not overly thinking how to treat her. Yeah. Uh, with th- and and how to let her know how much I love her, and that stuff starts to feel really natural. Yeah. Um, and and th- I mean, w- you don't have to. I don't, if I got a book, 101 ways to love my wife better, right? 
And I was like going step by step. It doesn't even feel very loving. Oh, yeah. the book told me in chapter 13, I should buy you flowers. <laughs> so here are the flowers. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but when I just, you know, my wife and I are in a really good season right now where we're just, we feel intimate towards each other and in all the ways, you know, and in, in, in every sense of that word. And so I, when I, when I'm grabbing myself a coffee, I'm grabbing her a coffee when I'm doing, it, it just feels so natural to love and to serve yeah. her. And so it's because my heart's connected. I'm right. not just trying to check off a bunch of rules. That's the point I'm getting at. When you're, yeah. when you start to fall in love with Jesus, you're not thinking, oh, I better, I better listen to Caleb today. I better <laughs> tie Am I tithing at 10%? Am I, you know, it's just that yeah. checklist goes away. It's like, how can I just, I'm in relationship with the Lord. And what does it look like to be a servant of his mm-hmm. who loves him, a son of his who yeah. loves him well? Uh, that's so good. So you, you help out a lot of dads with your ministry. And, um, you know, I love the book dad tired because we've all been there or we are there now where we're just tired by life. And and we keep thinking that I can't be a good dad unless I do all the things right. Unless I am perfect, unless I never yell at my kids, unless all these things happen once again with the rules. Um, so what are some things you say to dads who are stumbling their way, maybe in the right direction, but oftentimes it feels like it's one step forward, two steps back. What are some encouraging things you tell them on how to kind of overcome this, this feeling of being tired and and far from, you know, where you want to be? Uh, yeah. So first of all, um, if that's you, if you feel like you're one step forward, two steps back, uh, welcome to being a dad, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, every, every single dad, if you don't feel like that one time I, I talked to a guy and he said he was an awesome dad. That's like how he started. He's like, I'm an awesome dad. I'm like, I don't trust you. Like, I, feel, I don't <laughs> yeah. think you got a good self-assessment radar, man. Like right. all of us, if we're, if we're really serious about this, feel like we're not doing a great job and we're, we're stumbling our way forward. Yeah. You know, so here's, here's the thing, man. Um, God is using you, uh, to help shape your children. That's the like God wants to redeem your child's heart for the, His glory. He's yeah. He's redeeming the whole world back to Himself, and He picked you as the dad, or if you're mom listening, mm-hmm. as the mom to be part of that redemption story. That's yeah. amazing. God could have used rocks, He could have used trees, He can use the mailman, He can use whatever He wants, but He picked you to be part of your child's redemption story. But also, He chose your children to help redeem your hearts. Mm. It's a two way street. And yeah. so your kids are being used by God to help shape you. Listen, I always say I never realized how broken and sinful and selfish and angry I was as a man until I got married and had kids. They have <laughs> brought out and exposed all that sin in me that I didn't yeah. know I had. I thought I was a pretty chill dude, you know, and then yeah. I had kids and I got married. I'm like, oh man, I am a sinful man, right. which just tells me God is using the people closest to me to help shape my character. And so, yes, your kids will bring out your frustrations. They will bring out your impatience and your sometimes temper and all your shortcomings. Um, that doesn't mean you're a terrible dad. It means God is being gracious um, to reveal in you your sin. And w- for you, what it means is, okay, I need to be quick to repent. Lord, mm. thank you. Uh, I, I snapped at my kids today. That doesn't mean I'm failing as a dad. It means God's discipling me. Yeah. So God, thank you that you've revealed to me that I've got some things going on under the hood that I need to address. Yeah. Lord, would I repent? Would I turn from that? Would I apologize to my wife? Would I apologize to my kids? Would I turn back to you? Oftentimes it means I'm finding rest in places that aren't giving me rest, which is causing me to be short-tempered. And so Lord, would I come back to you and find my rest and my identity in you and not in work or money and finances and all the other things. So your kids are being used, man, to, to shape and disciple you as much as you are them. 
I love that. And there's so many good parallels with our, our parenting journey and how God's our heavenly father and how, you know, he's so patient with us. And sometimes we feel we're so patient with our kids. And then we're like, well, I'm, I'm just like that kid that God, you know, is like, oh, you didn't get it again. You know, you're like the Israelites in Egypt. And so uh, I think that's so good about being vulnerable with their kids to a point. I mean, you know, you don't want to let them know everything you're struggling with, but at the same time, if it's something that you did wrong, like you're saying, yelling at them or having an argument with your wife, you know, be open enough to say, I'm sorry, this is something I'm working on. God is doing the new thing in me uh, and, and let them know a little bit about how you're working on being a dad or a parent, because uh, I think sometimes we want to put on this, this perfection to our kids. Uh, and then at the same time, when they grow up and be a parent, then they're going to be like, well, I, I can't measure up to what my dad was not knowing that, you know, you did all this stuff behind the scenes and had this, this, this struggle yourself, like everyone does. Um, and so I think our kids need to see that. And also, like you're saying, we can get closer to God by what we see our kids do. Like when I see my kids worship, for example, and see the faith of a child, like that's what I want just to be unhindered in worship like they can, not thinking about what I need to do tomorrow, but just focusing on what's in front of me, just as an example of how kids can just have that faith. It's like, yeah, I'll pray for that, you know, and really believing it'll come true. And it's like, why don't I do that? You know, every time that I should. Uh, and so I love that on how we can kind of spur each other on still being the parental authority, but also learning from them uh, as they're growing in their faith too. Well, let me take that just if I might take it uh, one step further, even because that was such a beautiful thought. One of the things I loved that you just said in there was um, telling your kids, God is doing this work in me or this mm -hmm. new work in me. I love that line because here's what it does. What it does is it, if, if we present, let me go the opposite way first. Yeah. If we present ourselves as perfect dads and then we tell our kids the message of the gospel is you are sinful and you need to be redeemed. That's the message of the gospel. I tell my kids, you have sin in your heart. And Jesus is wants to redeem that in you, right? That's the gospel yeah. we want. We don't want to be fluffy about it. Like we are sinners with the wrath of God turned towards us and we need a savior. Yeah. Um, so that's the good news of the gospel. What would happen though, is if they have a quote unquote perfect dad, or they always see dad who's got his stuff together. He never apologize or whatever. Well, then when you tell your kids, you you're sinful and you need a savior, well, they're going to, they might understand that in their head, but they won't have a context for that as right. opposed to a dad who says constantly, Jesus is working this out in me. Jesus yeah. is doing a new work. Jesus is taking the sinful areas of daddy tart and he's making them new. Then when I tell my kids as they grow up right now, I have a, you know, a, a three month old, a two year old, an eight year old and a 10 year old, as they start to grow old, like my eight and 10 year olds, as I'm saying, listen, you need a savior. They're going to have context for that. Like, oh yeah. Like, just like daddy said, that his heart needs to be changed. Maybe my heart needs to be changed too. Mm, You're yeah. actually setting your, when you apologize, you set your kids up to understand the gospel that every single person in our family is a sinner who falls short of the grace of Jesus and yeah. desperately needs him. Yeah, that's so good. And it's not just about, hey, yeah, daddy was, con you know, I, I was saved when I was 16. And, it, you know, we, we put on this air sometimes that life's been perfect. I've never sinned, which we all know is wrong. And we feel like, once again, with that sin cycle, we feel like when we fall short, we can't be vulnerable. We can't ask for help. And I love too, when you said in your story that you reached out and asked for godly counsel. And that's a big yeah. part of discernment is finding people who've gone on before us, who have more wisdom than we do, who have struggled with similar things that we have and ask them for help, whether it's an actual counselor, or whether it's just godly men in your church that you yeah. can kind of partner with and, and having kind of an accountability group without that term kind of, you know, throws men off. Like, well, I don't want to just sit around and just cry. Like, 
you know, whatever. But yeah, at, yeah. at the same time, like, what have you found like with that godly counsel of, of finding other people that can kind of spur you on, what would be for advice for guys who, and I've been this way too, like, you know, 10 years ago, we were involved in church, but you know, I don't really need anyone that close to me. Like we're fine. Like I'm serving. What about guys who just kind of say, I'm good. I don't need that moving on, you know? Yeah. Well, first I want to correct something I just said, which was you fall short of the, the grace of God, which you can't actually do. Right. <laughs> there is no bounds of grace. I, I misspoke there. I meant to say the glory of God. Yeah. We fall short of God's glory and we need his grace. So I just, if somebody's like fall short of God's grace, you can't, <laughs> uh, there's no, there's, so I want to correct that. Yeah. Um, for the guy who's just like, you know, I, I, it's hard to find guys who I want to, you know, expose and be vulnerable with. Again, this is all. Jesus is, he's just full of good news. God, the father is full of good news. The things that feel hard are often the things that are full of just God's grace and good news. The, the, when we are naked and unashamed, and I mean that in, in all the terms, not don't get naked with your friends, but you know what I mean? Like when (laughs) you're vulnerable and when you, when you, when you are able to expose yourself fully and say, here's all of who I am as a man. And then somebody says, I see all of who you are and I love you, you are experiencing a glimpse of God's love for you. Mm. Um, And the more of those kind of relationships we have, the more we actually get to experience God's goodness. Um, The flip side of that is the more you hide, the more you actually hide in shame and Mm. your shame will bury you. Um, So one thing, and this is best lived out in marriage. That's what the marriage relationship is for. Mm. My wife, you see all of who I am. I am broken. I am sinful. I am wretched. You look at all of that and you still say, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stick with you. And I love you. That is supposed to be giving each other a glimpse of God's redeeming love. And and when we have close friends and this isn't, this isn't, this kind of relationship isn't meant for hundreds. It's meant for a few. Right. Um, But when you have a couple friends who you can say, man, this is all of me, dude. Like I'm, I'm messed up. I'm broken. Um, And that person says, dude, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm in it. I'm with, I'm with you. I see all of your brokenness and I'm still, I'm not going anywhere. You actually open yourself up to experience God in a way that you hadn't before. And, um, and the devil would love to just say, no, they only like you because they think you're like this. Right. But if they really knew you, they wouldn't like you. Um, all that's doing is you're missing out on pieces of God's heart. I'm about to, as soon as we're done with this interview, I'm going to go pick up my best friend from the airport. He's the kind of friend that knows he has literally seen me at my worst. And I know that he would say, Jared, I'm still with you. I'm Mm. still with you. And by doing that, he gives me a glimpse of the father that sees all of who I am and still loves me fully. Man, that's so good. And that's something that won't come overnight. It it takes a dedication. It takes finding the right person and also trial and error because you might try it with a couple of people and maybe they flake out or maybe they don't want to. And instead of saying, well, I can never find this, just, you know, move on, find somebody that God's leading you to that you can ask humbly. Like I've had people ask me, Hey, can you mentor me? And it's such an honor to be asked. You know, I, I, most people will say, uh, yeah, of course, like, let's go meet, let's go have coffee and then find that person. And and you're not going to, you know, some people say Jesus's greatest miracle was having 12 close friends after 30, but you know, uh, you're not going to find <laughs> a ton funny. of people that are going to be super close and that's okay too. So I, I, I kind of want to finish up on marriages uh, as we start to wrap up our conversation, but you know, two things, first of all, what would you say to uh, wives listening who might say, you know, this is great advice for, for, for husbands. I wish my husband would take it. I wish that they would do this. I wish, you know, a laundry list of things. Uh, and you had such a good example of your wife just praying, you know, without you even knowing it. And I know that's going to be a, a key to this, 
But what, what are some other ways you would say for, for the women listening who want to, you know, help their dad, who's tired, uh, kind of overcome that and be the man he God's calling him to be. Yeah. Help their dad or help, help their, sorry, husband. help their yeah. husband. Help yeah. Their, yeah. Well, you need help the dad and their husband. Yeah. 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 Um, so two things, one is I would say, um, one of the most beautiful things that my wife did in that season where I was rebelling against God was she went to the heart changer. Mm. She could have nagged me over and over and over. And truth is I probably would have just grown more and more bitter. Uh, and my wife, she would tell you now, she would say, I knew that I didn't have the power to change Jared's heart. I needed Jesus to change his heart because I couldn't do it. I could nag him to try to get his behavior to change but I actually wanted his heart to change. And that was what was so powerful about what she said. I'm praying that God would change your heart. Yeah. And so the fir- first for the wife listening, who may be feeling discouraged, your husband's not leading. He's not being the spiritual leader. You want him to change one. You can't change him. You're amazing. As a woman, women are incredible. You're not a heart changer. Mm-hmm. There's only one heart changer. That's the Holy spirit. So go to him. That would be my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice would be going back to what we were just talking about, that idea of being naked and unashamed. One of the greatest gifts that you can give your husband is to let him know, I am with you. I am committed to you until the end. I want to see all of your brokenness and I want to partner with God to help see you change and for his glory. You are going to give your husband a massive gift because most likely your husband feels like he has to hide in some way. Um, and so a lot of his defense mechanisms, his behavior, all of this is just a result of feeling some kind of shame or I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. Mm. And so when, when a wife comes to her husband and says, I know that you have what it takes to lead our family well, and Mm. I'm committed to being partnering with you, to seeing all of who you are for you to grow into all that God has for you. Um, you're giving your, your husband a massive gift to say, uh, listen, you can tell me anything. You can, you can tell me all kinds of things that you're hurting with, you're struggling with, and I'm with you because I want to see you become the man God wants you to be. Mm. Um, I promise you, your relationship's going to go to a whole nother level. Yeah. I think that's so good. Um, there's not much else that a man can do with that other than say, I, I want to be that man that you see yeah. in me. Mm-hmm. And also I think it's good to open the door for, to be vulnerable, you know, cause I can speak for myself. A lot of times you just want to be the, the best for your wife. And so that means they can't know these things that you thought or have done. But at the same time, if the, if the, if the wife approaches her husband and says, it's okay to tell me, right. It's okay to just kind of clear the air, start from, start from ground zero, if you need yeah. to, yeah. uh, and, and build upon it. Right. I mean, it's going to be rough. There might be things that come out. You wish you never heard but you can build upon that foundation of mutual trust in, 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 in healing broken wounds where, uh, you know, men might want to just live in that secret, which will end up killing them. Even if the wife doesn't know about it, if there's a, if there's a sin, if there's something they've done that they've not exposed, that's going to kill you from the inside out. Yeah. And, sin and so always leads to death. Yeah. Sin always leads to death. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's so good. And so, you know, I know there's probably some married, some people listening who think like I'm on the brink of divorce, you know, I, I, we're close and there's nothing I can do. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do. And so just to kind of wrap up that final thought, you know, for, for anybody listening, who's in a hurting marriage, um, first of all, I'll say like, it's not going to change overnight, but some of these steps can get you on the right track, get you on the right path. 
Yeah. Uh, what are some other final words that you would just say to people who are like, I just need something and maybe some resources you offer or that they can, they can reach out for. Yeah. So for the couple that feels like you're, you're really struggling right now and you're on the brink and you don't feel like you can, uh, you, you don't know if you're going to be able to make it. I, I want to just remind you that your story is bigger than your story. Mm. Um, and so I know you feel like you personally, you're hurt, you're discouraged, you've lost hope. You feel like your spouse is done you wrong or whatever is pulled away from you. But I just want you to, to remember your story. Your marriage is telling a bigger story. It's telling the story of the gospel to your kids, to your friends, to your family, to your neighborhoods and to the world. And it has the potential to share that good news for generations to come. Mm. And so just realize your story is bigger than just you and your own marriage. My wife, when, when I was a terrible husband and a terrible father, she had every right to leave. And in fact, some people in her life, people close to us said, why don't we were early on in marriage? And they would say, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea, Layla, like Jared's being a jerk, leave. You, you deserve somebody better. And she did. She did deserve somebody better. But my wife looked at them and said, I'm not going to leave Jared because God hasn't left me. Mm. I'm going to be wow. faithful to Jared because God has been faithful to me. When she said that, she gave me a glimpse of the gospel. Mm. She gave my kids a glimpse of the gospel. Her friends who were telling that and family, a glimpse of the gospel. She recognized there's a story bigger than just her and her own happiness and joy. She was trying to tell the story of the gospel to the, all the world around her. And because of that, generations are going to be different. That gospel truth helped redeem my heart again. And it, because of that, my kids are going to know Christ and our family, and it will ripple on for generations. And so just there's, there's exceptions. Um, God hates divorce for so many reasons because it doesn't tell his story accurately. And listen, if there's abuse and things like that, go get help, talk to somebody. You should yeah. not be tolerating abuse. Um, but if it's just a hard season, you guys aren't getting along, you feel like you turned into two different people or whatever, do not give up. You're telling a bigger story of the gospel to the world. Yeah. And, uh, that reminds me too, you know, we, we go based on our feelings a lot. Well, it doesn't feel like it did when we first got married and it doesn't feel like this. And, and uh, that's marriage, you know, that's the, the, the seasons of marriage was a um, Gary Chapman book. And I love that because it talks about, you're going to go through different seasons in your marriage and that's okay. Don't, don't compare where you're at now with where you were, because it look at where you're going and you might have to just endure. You might just have to endure where you're at now based on all these different things that happen in life, you know, uh, tragedy and, and trauma and health issues are, are part of what we say, you know, till death do us part and sickness and in health and all these things that come up are part of, like you said, our story, which then reflects upon his story in our life. And I love how you talked about just sharing the gospel through our actions, through our love as a married couple, but also just how we can share the gospel with everybody we come in contact with who see it at work and not just hear it from a stage, but actually see the gospel. And that's, that's such a great way to end on, on how we can be living examples of God's love. So it's the greatest picture you can give the world when a person that says, I see all of who you are and I love all of who you are at the exact same time. That's the greatest picture we can give. That's why God uses marriage as one of the primary ways to expand the gospel to the world. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Jared, this was an amazing conversation. I really hope it uh, helps people listening to this on the other end and just let everyone know where they can connect with you and any resources you have and then the, the books you have as well. 
Yeah. Uh, dadtired.com. That's kind of where all of our stuff lives. You can find all our social media channels there and um, books, resources. We have some free eBooks and devotionals on version. but dadtired.com is the best way to get connected. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for coming on and God bless you and your family and your ministry. Thank you so much. Well, I want to thank Jared so much for coming on. It was awesome talking to you. And I really encourage you to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Just share it with a friend if you enjoyed this content, as well as check out the links in the show notes for not only links to my guests, but also to links of things that I am doing. I'm excited for next week. I have Dr. Michael L. Brown on the podcast. He is the author of over 40 books. And he has a talk show and podcast called The Line of Fire. I encourage you to come back next week, hit subscribe and check out that interview. But until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.